You're listening to the Covenant Original Series, Habits. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. In today's teaching, we will be examining how placing our identity in Christ will lead us to establishing healthy habits because our identity shapes our actions. So as I read through this passage in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul, he writes this, this, this letter to the church in Rome. And I wonder how many of us have ever felt this way. How many of you have ever felt like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but the thing that I'm supposed to do is the thing that I actually don't do. I mean, I know I have felt this way an awful lot, right? Like we want to do what is right, but we don't. And instead, we end up doing the very thing we hate. We want to do what is right, but we feel like we can't. We want to do what's right, but we just don't. We don't want to do what's wrong, but inevitably, that's what we end up doing. And at the end of this repeated cycle, we, we end up feeling miserable. And, and so often, we end up giving in, giving up. Many people who claim to be followers of Christ, they even walk away from the faith because they feel like they just can't do it, and they dive headfirst head into a, a lifestyle of embraced failure. Now, let me kind of like define that, because it's one thing to fail. And by the way, can I just say this to you? Like, in your life, you will fail, okay? If you will ever be a successful person, understand that failure, failure is always part of that equation. It's always a part of that. It's just like, keep failing until you don't, <laughs> right? Like you just, you're gonna to continue to fail, but you continue to get up. But a lifestyle of embraced failure is a problem. See, when you embrace failure as your life story, and when you embrace failure as the context that you cannot get up and out of, man, you're in a dark place. And for some of you, you could be there now. I can't, I can't do it. No matter what I do, it doesn't work. No matter what I try, it fails. I don't even have the unction anymore. And I think it's interesting when I read this passage because I think it speaks to this very interesting thing that we do. I think, my opinion, I think that we oftentimes tend to over-spiritualize scripture. Now, now, hold on. Before like, you claim heresy, let me explain what I mean. We have a tendency, an incredible tendency as, as Christian men and women, to segregate and apply scripture only to the areas in our own lives that we deem spiritual. Okay, So in that way, I think we over-spiritualize scripture, thinking that scripture is only applicable to certain aspects of our lives, right? Like maybe it's applicable to meditating on God's word. Maybe it's applicable to you know, our relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's applicable to maybe how we raise our children to some degree. But, but this passage demonstrates that Paul is not like he's, he's talking to the human condition here. So there's something deeper going on. It's not just like try harder. It's like there's something inside of me that intrinsically will not allow me to succeed in what I know I'm supposed to be doing. And so in that way, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And inadvertently, what he is saying is if I am to succeed, if I am going to move forward, if I am going to have any success, I must live with intentionality. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, which I'm praying that you are, because we're a church that worships in spirit and, and truth, right? We want to take these truths. We want to write these things down. We want to take these into our small groups that meet throughout the week. We're going to grow in Sea Life groups. We're going to open up these notes. We're going to discuss them, and we're going to grow in our leadership, grow in our relationship with Christ and relationship with others. Huge, important, right? Write that down. Number one, we must live lives 
of intentionality. And if we want to be successful in any area of our life, be it spiritual, be it relational, financial, even physical, if we want to be successful, we must be intentional. Now, I'm really sorry that I have to do this, but actually because I use the word successful, I actually have to define it for us, okay? I'm sorry that I have to take time away from God's word and teaching, but I want to make sure you understand exactly what I mean when I say successful, okay? Because some of the most successful men and women in the world today are people that are not from America, that are not white, that don't have followers on Instagram, that most likely don't even have a Facebook, and who don't have a dollar to their name. Some of the people that are impacting the kingdom for Christ successfully at another level are people you will never even know. So when we talk about success, you gotta understand, when, if you're just talking about your bank account, you have a very limited understanding of success. Scripture does call us to be successful, but that doesn't necessarily mean it looks the way that we think it might look through our American lens. Are we all on the same page? Okay, good. Um, so when we talk about this idea of success, we have to live intentionally. And so whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, whether it's relational, whether it's marriage, parenting, physical, whatever it might be, we have to be intentional if we're going to be successful. And here's another thing. Successful people will do consistently what other people just do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And so here's what I want you to know. You feel like I'm trying harder all the time, but I'm not achieving. Oh, that's where you're getting it wrong. It's not about trying harder. It's a matter of discipline. It's not just about trying harder. It's a matter of discipline. This is a matter of intentionally instituting and implementing correct habits. We must put in place healthy habits. And I say that because habits will make us or break us, and we will become what we repeatedly do. Honestly, we will become what we repeatedly do. Let me give you an example. For most of us, we have a desire to know God more. Amen? Would you say yes to that? Yes? Okay, yeah. We have a desire to grow in Christ. And yet for most Christians, even though they have a goal of knowing Jesus more, they have an inconsistent prayer life. Even though they have a goal of knowing more of what the Bible has to say, most Christians have an inconsistent, at best, devotional life. Even though we have a goal of seeing people meet Jesus, we rarely, if ever, share our faith. And so the issue isn't the goal. The issue is the system. Now think about that for a minute. The issue is not the goal. The issue is the system. Having goals is not the problem. And so I would say this, if you want to be successful in any area, you don't need new goals, you need a new system. Now, I thought I'd get an amen on that, but maybe that's because you don't believe me. But let me share with you why you are wrong. If you were correct, if it was just about goals, then all of us would be good January 1. Right? Like, there's a reason why the gym is packed on January 1 and empty on February 1st. There's a reason they're running promos and specials all throughout December 
and they end mid-January. Nobody's joining a gym post-January. Can I just be honest about that? Like there are two months that people join a gym. The end of December, the beginning of January. That's it. That's all. And so it's not about goals. We need better systems. Better systems, better results. Turn to your neighbor and say, better systems, better results. Come on. Yeah. Better systems, better results. Not better goals. Better systems. Better systems. In fact, I think this is one of the three reasons that people actually don't succeed. I want to give you a couple. Three. Number one. Number one is this. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. When it comes to goals, when it comes to systems, we focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. Let me prove this to you. You know what you want. And by the way, husband, if you don't know what you want, ask your wife. She will let you know what you want. Also, don't get on me. Like, listen, if you have a teenage daughter, she will also let you know what you want. We know what we want. We all generally want the same things. We know what we want. And also, a lot of us know why we want the things that we want. So we know what we want. We know why we want them. But we vastly underestimate how we are going to get there. Now look at Romans chapter 7. I love it through this lens. Look at what he says. He's going to state his goals even though they're unmet. And then towards the end of it, he's going to offer up the correct system to accomplish his goals. New system, new system. Better system, better results. Look at this, Romans chapter seven. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing, watch this now, watch, 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 look. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Here it comes, you ready? For I have the desire to do what is right. That's a goal. But I don't have the ability to carry it out. There's the failure, that's the incorrect system, okay? For I do, do not do the good I want. That's a goal. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Broken system. You see that? Watch this now. Wretched man that I am. So he's just hating on himself. <laughs> Who will deliver me from this body of death? What's he saying? What is he saying in essence? What, what's the system that I'm going to use? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because that's a new system. It's a new system. Think about that now. We have only seen Jesus as a person, which by the way, he is. He is the person of God. Okay. He is fully man. He is fully God. He walked this earth. He ate some fish. He rose from the grave. He's an amazing thing. But if we have only ever seen Jesus as the person, we could completely be missing the system. Because Jesus was a very systematic person. Did you understand that? Do you, do you see that? He had a very specific and, and, and uh, systematic way of, of living. He was always placing the needs of others above his. He was always in conversation with God. He's always escaping from crowds to be alone with his father. He's always speaking about God. Jesus was systematic and intentional about his approach to faith, God, the Father, and life. And so don't miss this now. Don't miss this now. Listen. For us as followers of Christ, we must function within not only the savior of Jesus, but also the system of Jesus, okay? If we want to be successful in any area of our life, be it relationally, be it our marriage, be it our relationship with our kids, be it our walk with Christ, in any area, 
We must marry the person and the system of Jesus. Now, what, what, what do I mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to Colossians, Colossians chapter one. Look at this now. And by the way, I'm about to read you a passage that is one of the greatest passages in scripture. Okay. So I, I want you to take your expectations and then like raise them a little bit. This is one of the greatest, like punch you in the mouth scriptures in all the Bible. Okay. Just put that out there. Here we go. Colossians chapter one. This is all about Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Oh, this is so good. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him and by him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I love that passage. I love it because it speaks about just how bad Jesus is. I mean, how else can you make peace out of blood? Look at what he says. Look what Paul says to the church in Colossia. He says he made peace by the blood of his cross. Understand the implications here, church. Nature, the earth, the sky, the stars, the galaxy, the universe, all of them have no problem functioning, working, staying within the boundaries of the system of Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed that before? Like the sun does what the sun is supposed to do. Like trees do what they're supposed to do. Like every time. Beans do that. And other things that you eat as well. You know what I mean? Like squirrels do this. You know what I mean? Like fish. If you have any fish, like at my house, we have basically an animal reserve. And uh, I think the count is now 27 chickens, three turkeys, two peacocks, two pigs, which are free to anyone who would want them. I'm not joking. And uh, we have a gecko, and I think there's some squirrels in our house. So we have all those things. And the funny thing is, they all do exactly what they're supposed to do. The pigs oink, the peacocks peacock, the chickens lay eggs, the turkeys gobble. Like the trees grow, they do exactly what they're supposed to do. Follow me now. Why? Because they're obedient to the system of Christ. They're doing exactly what they were designed to do. In fact, I would say this. Do you know the only thing that doesn't function the way that it's supposed to? It's us. If the sun stopped functioning within the system of Christ for one moment, we're dead. If the earth stopped functioning and moving in the way that it was designed to, it's, 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 it's over for all of us. Gravity's messed up. We're gone. We're the only creatures. We're the only creatures outside of Satan and his, and his angels. We're the only creatures that do not function within the system of Jesus the way that we were created to. We do not live out what we were supposed to live out. Let me ask you a question, just a side note. What were you designed for? Do you even know what you were created for? Do you know? Can I just fill you in? 
You were intentionally designed. You are not an accident. You are not some kind, no matter what your mom says, hopefully not your mom, no matter what anybody says, you were intentionally designed. And you were designed to bring glory to God the Father. Every breath that you take, every single, every single move, it's all meant to bring glory to God. Every single piece of you, and yet every single piece of me rebukes that. Every single piece of me says, no, I want what I want. We're the only ones who stand in defiance of the system of Jesus Christ. That's it. And I'll, show, I'll prove it to you. What is the system of Christ? I'll tell you. I mean, Colossians just told us it's the fact that Jesus is preeminent. It means not only is he first, above, before, he's also the center. It means that nothing works without him at all. He is supreme, unmatched, nothing even close. Okay? And he's the center. And here's what's funny is we'll say things like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he is the center of my life. No, he's not. I mean, let's, if we're going to do the business of waking up and coming to church, let's just at least be honest, right? Like most likely he's just, he's just not, even though he deserves to be. And that's what Paul is saying here. This is fascinating, by the way. You know, let's talk about the what and the how. It's fascinating because Jesus isn't just the what. He's also the how. And he's the why. Why? Because he's preeminent. Jesus is the what and he's the how. He's also the system. Or maybe it could even be more theologically correct by saying that sanctification transpires the moment that we begin behaving like Jesus. Or maybe another way to say it is that if we want to be like Jesus, then we have to be like Jesus. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to be like Jesus. That's the system of Jesus. Are you getting a picture? It's all about only about the center above, beneath, on the side. It's only ever been and ever will be about Jesus. And whether you're on board with that or not, all of creation agrees that it is only and ever and forever will be about Jesus Christ. See, it's amazing that the rocks and the sky and the water and the fish and the bees get something on another level that we miss. They know their creator. They know their designer. They know their place within a system except us. We step out. Oh, not us, though. Not, not, not everybody here. Not here. We're Christians. We're, we're, we're Christians. You know. We know. We, we know what it's like to keep Christ centered. That's, that's why Jesus is the center of the way that we parent our children. Amen? Like, that's why... Sports aren't the center of our children's world. That's why we're intentional about spending time with our families in scripture and prayer every day. Right? I mean, because that's because we live in the system of Christ. That's why at the, I mean, I'm just talking, I'm just relaying something to you that I know you already know. That's why at the center of our marriages, it's not about our preference or personalities or forgiveness or unforgiveness. It's about being Christ. It's about sacrificing our lives for one another. It's about Ephesians fiving it till the end. Loving our wife like, like she's the body of Christ, like she's the bride of Jesus. Surrendering and submitting to our husband like he is Jesus in our home. Of course we get that. Of course we get that. Right? The goal of our life, of course, is to live out the purpose with Jesus at the center, not just what makes us money. 
You see the problem here? I just sidebar. I find it so funny. Maybe funny is not the bad word. Or maybe funny is not the right word. Maybe the word I should use is evil. Maybe let's try that one. I find it so, now that sounds really bad. I find it so evil when we attach a price tag to God's calling in our life. Have you noticed how we do this though? Well, I've really been praying about a couple of jobs and I really feel God calling me to this one. Oh, really? Yeah, and as it so happens, they're the one that's gonna pay me the most. By the way, this happens in ministry all the time. I feel God has called me somewhere. Really? Yeah, it's a much larger church with a much uh, bigger healthcare, uh, you know. And I get a car with it. Oh, wow. Yep, God's really moving. You see what I'm saying? Like, do you see why that's an issue? When's the last time that you heard somebody say, yeah, I feel like God is calling us to sell our home and give it to another family in our community that has nothing? Yeah, I feel like God called us to live on 10% of our income this year. It's funny how God never calls us to do that, isn't it? Isn't it funny how God never calls us to do things like that? Okay, let's go to point number two because it's getting kind of quiet. Point number two. That was the first point. I've got a couple more why a lot of times we don't succeed. I think the other reason that we don't succeed is that we don't see results fast enough. I love this passage from Galatians 6, 9. Paul speaking to the church in Galatia. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Let me hear you say, let me hear you say the word weary. 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 It just has that like ugh, connotation to it, doesn't it? It's just like the weary. If you have children, you know this word well. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. In fact, I want to do something real quick. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And uh, we're not going to have an invitation but if we could, John, if you could turn on that music for us, I want to have a moment just right now. I just want to encourage you. I kind of beat up on you there for a moment. Just kind of kick that on if you could. Close your heads or close your eyes, bow your heads and you close your heads too. That's fine. Don't leave. Church is not done. Okay. I want to read this scripture to you because for some of us right in the middle of this day, we need it. Listen, this is God's word to you right now, okay? Don't grow weary of doing good. Don't allow yourself to get worn out. Don't allow yourself to get burned out. In due season, you will reap. You have planted a good thing. And even though it seems like it is taking so long to see any growth, in due time, you will reap. In due time, it will bear fruit if you do not give up. Don't you dare give up. Do you know who you are? You're a child of the king. You are a child of God. You have the living Jesus dwelling inside of your bones. You are not to give up. You will press on and you will not grow weary. And even if you cannot find the strength within yourself to move on, it's okay because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave, he lives in you. This is not a thought. This is not an idea. This is not a hope. 
These are the words of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you. I just felt like it was so important to do that because I feel like so often we get weary. We just need to remember that when we plant something and give water to it, it it will grow. It will grow. See, the problem isn't the growth that's going to take place. The problem is our perception. See, we live in a world, man, we live in a time where we just have to have instant gratification, right? Like literally instant. Like we have, we literally have Instagram, Facebook. It's so funny. Facebook just shifted their settings. Have you seen this? They, they noticed that people were getting tired of reading things. So they made a move to do what Instagram does, which is just really highlight the stories. Why? Because people don't even, it's, it's not fast enough to read the highlight of the stranger that you don't know, right? Now I just want to see it really fast. Give me your life story in five seconds. I want it that fast. And if you can't, I don't care, right? I don't care. I want it now. I want it now. I mean, heck, you don't even have to leave your house anymore. If you are a hermit, this is the greatest time to be alive <laughs> ever. You can, have del- you can have groceries delivered to your door, something that my grandmother would have died for 45 years ago. Just died for. Now, easy. Everybody does it. You can, have, you can have cat food delivered to your door. You can have a cat delivered to your door. You can hire somebody online to eliminate that cat if you would like to. Just saying. You, you can even like, you don't even have to leave your house to find a date anymore, which is great news for some of us. Okay, um, that's good news. For us who are introverts, right? I'm a really big introvert. And uh, that's really good news. Like you don't even have to leave your house and that's fine, that's great, that's, that's all good. It's just really funny to me. We don't have to go anywhere. We can just exist in our own world. And after a while, we expect that to be the same with everything. We expect that we never have to leave. We expect to get it now. Like we are upgrading Columbus to 5G internet and people are losing their minds. Finally, my Netflix will load in literally 1.2 seconds. You know what I mean? Wow, what did it load at before? Oh, about two seconds. It was hellacious. One time, we, we sit around the campfire and tell like, you know, horrible ghost stories. And like somebody sitting around, there was once a day when daddy had to wait 12 seconds for his movies to load kids. And the kids, <gasps> you know what I mean? It's like that. It's like, what? It's crazy. We have to have it. We got to have it now, instantly, right now, immediately. And I think because of that, we've created a problem when it comes to change. We can't see results fast enough. And if we don't get instant results then we're out. We don't, we don't care. And this is why scripture tells us, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. It's just going to take some time. Change takes time. Real change takes time. Let me, get, let me give you an example, maybe a practical example. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to go to the gym every day. Every day this week, I'm going to go to the gym. When I go to the gym, I'm going to get on the treadmill. When I get on that treadmill, I'm going to walk. 
And I'm going to walk on that treadmill for approximately 30 minutes. And we'll spend like four and a half hours making a playlist. We'll call it something like my killer walking playlist, you know, and it'll be full of the most pumped up music. And we'll do that. We'll go to the gym. We'll walk on that treadmill and we feel good about ourselves. Come, come Wednesday. It's like, this is day three. This is awesome. Come Thursday. You're like, I'm killing this thing. Come Friday. You're like, yes. And then you go home and you get out of the shower and you step on that scale and you're expecting to see like a negative 25 pound loss, weight loss difference. And instead, you've gained two pounds. (laughs) Man, the struggle is real. See, you thought because you made that small decision that was a good decision, then you were totally justified in making the other small decision, which was to equally eat chocolate cake every day. You thought that those decisions kind of crossed each other out a little bit. Maybe you want to see your money grow. You want to you want to see an investment flourish, and so you deposit some money into a stock. You buy a stock, and, but, but listen, if you're expecting that stock to double or grow you know, in an insane way in a day, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Maybe you want to grow with your, in your walk with the Lord and become more like Christ, and so you read your Bible every day for a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Awesome. You're feeling on top of the world. God's changing you, and then Saturday night, you lose your mind with your kids. You blow up, and you scream, and you're like, what's What's the point, right? Listen, don't conclude that small decisions don't matter. They do. It's just gonna take some time. Can I just speak that to you today? It's okay. Keep at it. It's just gonna take some time. You may feel like a failure because you're not seeing the change that you want immediately, but it's just gonna take some time. Now on the other side of it, listen to this, equally, Maybe you decide that you're going to binge Netflix instead of investing in your wife for an evening. No big deal. Just one night. Maybe you decide that you're going to skip the gym and you don't feel any immediate consequences. Okay. No big deal. Maybe you skip church on a Sunday. I mean, it's only one Sunday. No big deal. No problem. And you may not feel the immediate consequences of one small decision, and thus you may actually end up wrongly concluding that a small good or a small bad decision doesn't matter that much. But here's what I want you to know. If you're writing things down, write this down. Please listen. Small decisions over time add up huge. In fact, I would say that our lives are the sum total of all the small decisions that we ever make. So don't grow weary in doing good. And don't fall victim to unrealized potential. This is one of the most heartbreaking things as a leader and a pastor, to see people with unrealized potential. I had a friend, uh, I, had, I had a friend once. I had a conversation also with a friend this week, owns a business, and we're talking back and forth, and we're talking about this idea of an acorn. You know, it's amazing because inside of an acorn, there's the potential for an entire forest. You know that, right? I mean, if that thing grows, it's going to drop more acorns, and then the potential for a whole forest. But that's pointless and worthless even if you don't ever plant the acorn. And it's amazing in one moment that this thing contains the potential for an entire forest, and yet if it's not planted, it will never grow. Such is the potential in this room. Such is the potential in the body of Christ. Each one of you, God has given gifts and talents and dreams and vision and courage, and boldness, and potential. But it's pointless if you don't plant it. 
It's pointless if you never dig deep enough to bury it in the dirt. It's pointless if you don't go out and make the small decision daily of watering it and pruning it and clearing away the brush so it can grow. Your potential is pointless if you don't plant it. And there are so many within the body of Christ that have so much potential that goes wasted. Don't be that. Small decisions matter. Lastly, I'm going to close with this because I'm running out of time. And I believe that this is probably the greatest success killer. Number three, our distorted identity sabotages our success. Why do most of us not succeed? I think it's linked to our identity. Romans chapter six, starting in verse six says this. We know that our old self is crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. All right, I know I'm finishing up here, but let's just give this, like, let's just put some respect on this, okay? Can I just say that? It just deserves that. So let's just try this again. Yes, there's no T in my word respect, if you're asking. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And having been set free from sin, we become slaves of righteousness. Listen, listen this morning, listen. Your identity shapes your actions. You do what you believe. You do what you believe. Maybe better stated, you show what you believe through your actions. Your identity shapes your actions. Just take a moment to meditate on that. Our identity shapes our actions. If this is the case, where is your, where is your identity actually rooted? Now listen, for many of us, we know Jesus but we have never, never truly identified with him. I'm not talking about your salvation necessarily here. We can have a conversation about sanctification without having to talk about salvation, okay? That's fair. Too often we have these conversations and you'd be like, oh, I guess I gotta get saved again. No, no. Like, a G, like the moment that you surrender your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills you, you know Jesus, heaven is your home, we're good, you're good. Now get busy working for Jesus. You weren't saved by the work you did, but your life should show that you're a Christian. I mean, I know that gets a little touchy, but I don't care. It just is what it is. Like, if you proclaim to be a Christian, you should look like Jesus. If you proclaim to be a Christian, you should love people like Jesus does. Does this mean you should be perfect? Yes, it does. Oh, I got you on that one. You didn't see that. See, the measurement should be Christ, and that's what sanctification is. Is that possible? Heck no. Of course not. But sanctification is the act of becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. You should be more like Jesus this Thursday than you were today. And that should be measurable. And that only happens with intentionality. That's called sanctification. Scripture says that we will receive the mind of Christ. When does that happen? That means someday in heaven, in front of God, we will fully be sanctified. Okay? But until that day, we work, and we work our tails off to become more like Christ. And that shows that our identity is in Jesus Christ. The problem is, we often identify with what somebody has told us about ourselves, good or bad. Some of us are carrying around an identity that our father laid on us when we were 10. You know what I'm talking about. And you're 53 now, but you still remember what he said that day. 
Some of you grown women, you're carrying around identities that your mom laid on you when you were seven years old. You're still living out of that identity. Don't you know you're better than that? Don't you know that? Some of us were living out of an identity because he broke, us, broke, broke up with us and it broke us. We're 19 years old. Some of you, your marriages have ended. And you're living out of an identity that says, I'm a failure. He didn't want me. She didn't want me. I wasn't good enough. And here you are years later, still making decisions and choices based out of a broken identity. Don't you know you're better than that? That is not who you are. See, you may have failed, but that doesn't mean you're a failure. You may have fallen, but that doesn't mean you have to stay down. No, 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 no. You need to hear me on this. You need to hear me on this. When God designed the world, he created in a perfect system. No sin, no death. But sin entered into the world as a result of bad choices. And as a result of sin, death came into the world. And there is always a penalty to be paid for sin, and it is always death. I want you to know that's a broken system. Sin and death broke the system that God had. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law and to establish a new system. A system wherein we can know God, a system wherein we can be fulfilled, a system wherein we can know forgiveness. See, you keep depositing and investing in a broken system, wondering why you're anxious. You keep depositing into brokenness, wondering why you're still broken. Invest in life. Identif identify in life. You cannot pull your identity from brokenness and not be a broken person. Here's the deal. Jesus Christ saves me, his banner over me, his blood over me, his love. I'm still broken. I'm still human. But I get to identify with him. I get to identify with perfectness. His imputed righteousness is over me. And I get to clearly identify with him, be counted as, as worthy because of him. And when we pull our identity from Jesus Christ, we will never come up lacking because in Jesus Christ, you are perfect. In Jesus Christ, you are whole. In Jesus Christ, you are accepted. You are loved. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're filled with hope. You're filled with truth. So it don't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you've done. That's who you used to be. But for anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, that's a big word when you throw that in there. Behold, all things have been made new. Why are you living with an old identity as a new creation? Stop it. You're better than that. Your father is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's called you to greater. He's called you to better. That's all I got. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to engage in your word. Engage in your truth. May our spirit convict us. May it lead us. 
In Jesus' name, with her eyes closed and her heads bowed this morning, I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, am I properly identifying with Jesus? Or the habits that I have now proving, proving that I am not? See, I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe it's food. You know, maybe you struggle with food. And when, you emotion, when you're emotionally down, you turn to food because it makes you feel better. But then after turning to food, it makes you feel worse because it reminds you of the failure. Maybe you struggle with lust and you're emotionally and mentally addicted to the rush you get when engaging with pornography. But then the moment you engage with it, you feel awful. Maybe it's a struggle with alcohol. And when you emotionally feel like you can't have a good time or relax unless alcohol is involved and you go too far and you feel awful, listen, listen, those are just symptoms. Those are just symptoms that indicate that you're not maybe drawing your identity from Jesus. This morning as a body of Christ, I ask that you repent of those symptoms. Right now, where you are, where you sit. Take a moment. I want to give you at least another minute of silence in this room. Think about what we discussed today. Talk to the God of the universe right now. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.